Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Take out your Bibles. We're going to do something different this morning. We've been in a sermon series called If, but... Uh, kind of changing the path this morning because of incidents that have happened in the last few days. Uh, in particular, the attack in Paris where over 120 people were killed, over 300 wounded, uh, just indiscriminate violence, uh, no rhyme nor reason to it. Restaurants, concert halls, soccer stadiums, people driving by in cars, just randomly shooting at anyone, not knowing who they were, where they've come from. The people that were killed were from different religions, different races. They were men, women, and children with all different kinds of beliefs. And there was just a senseless slaughter that took place. But it's not the first time that's happened. Just a few days earlier, it happened in Beirut. Back in the spring in Kenya, 137 college students were massacred by Boko Haram. And we look at these things and we wonder what in the world is going on. Now, normally I would have just gone on with the sermon series, but after kind of going through my Facebook page, I just saw over and over again the way that people were reacting and how it made them feel. And I thought that it would be good for us to take a little, uh, a little turn this morning and do some reflections on Paris. And this isn't a sermon per se. It's just some random thoughts that I had uh, as I've considered this and uh, looking at some scripture and what scripture has to say. And so uh, since this all happened on Friday and this came together on Saturday, you don't have your traditional things like your outline and, and uh, your sermon uh, uh, copy and all of that kind of stuff. But hopefully, uh, as we talk this morning, uh, there will be some things that will point us in the right direction. As I looked, uh, one of the things that occurred to me that we don't like to admit, the first thought that I have is that there's real evil in this world. Now, we might not like to hear that. We might not like to think about it, but it's true. Uh, It goes beyond right or wrong, goes beyond good or bad. There's evil, and evil is an entirely different thing. It's not I made a mistake. It's not I was misunderstood. It's not I was misguided. Evil is a much deeper level. It comes from another place, and we don't like to think that in this world where we try everything to be perfect, that, that we're going to have this kind of evil. But evil exists. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now again, that's very uncomfortable if you think about what that means. What it means is that there are forces in this world that want to steal from you, steal the good things that are in your life, the things that are, that are helping you. They not only want to steal, they want to kill you, and they want to destroy you. We think about that and it's pretty disturbing that there's there's evil out there that wants to still kill and destroy from us. But there is real evil in this world and there's no other way that you can explain it. How can you explain the emptiness of a person's soul that would make them think that slaughtering hundreds of people indiscriminately without even knowing who they were would somehow glorify God? That's just evil at its highest level. So evil does exist in the world. The second thing I would say to go along with the fact that there's real evil in the world is that you have a real enemy. You have a real enemy and your real enemy is not other people. 
no matter how misguided or sinful or wicked that they may be, your enemy is not other people. Your enemy is Satan. First Peter five, eight says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone he can devour. Again, that's not the kind of world we want to think of. We don't think that right now out there in this world, we have an enemy. And did you know the, the, the word Satan? The word Satan means enemy. That we have an enemy out there in this world that is prowling, looking how he can devour us. And if that's not the case, if we don't think in those ways, then how can we be controlled and alert and looking for the devices and the schemes of the one that's trying to devour us? So we end up getting eaten over and over again because we're not even alert. George Barnes said only about 35% of the people in the United States actually believe in a real devil. And yet we see evil and we see that we have an enemy and we have to confront that enemy. And the third thing I would say is if there's evil and if we really have an enemy, then the third thing that goes along with that is then we're fighting a spiritual battle that we can't fight with human weapons. If you think, well, I'm just going to buck up and be stronger or be a little bit better or be alert, it's not going to work at all. Here's how Paul says it in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 12. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Now listen to this power because it's very important if you're going to really be able to confront evil in this world. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is against rulers and authorities and powers of the darkest world. Against spiritual forces of evil. And again, we don't like to think that way. But that's the truth. So there is real evil in this world that we have to confront. We have an enemy and we have to confront it with spiritual power, not with human power or earthly power. So that's the first thing I wanted to get out there is that there's real evil in the world. The second goes along with that. And it's something, again, we don't like to think about. And that's this. This world is never going to be what you want it to be. No matter how hard you try, no, how, no matter how successful you may become, no matter how good your family or how perfect the world you're trying to create, this world will never be the world you want it to be. It's impossible. There will always be heartaches. There will always be problems. There will always be troubles that will come because you are not living in Eden. This is not heaven. We are fallen people that are living in a fallen world. And so we can never expect that this world's going to give us everything that we want. And so we try to build our little utopias and we try to keep all bad things away from us, but it never works. And not only that, we know it doesn't work. We know that we're always going to be disappointed in this world over and over again. And so we do things like, even though we think we have our little utopia here, we do things like we buy insurance. Why do you buy insurance? Auto insurance, because you think, well, I might have a wreck. Medical insurance, I might get sick. You know, we, we buy insurance for everything. When you get on an airplane, how many of you think, I don't know if this thing's going to land or not, you know, because we know it's not a perfect world that we live in. We get flood insurance, earthquake insurance, all kinds of things, because we know it's not a perfect world. How come when we hear uh, a, 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 like a, a police siren or an emergency siren going down the road, we immediately wonder, is this someone I know? 
How come when our kids stay out a little bit late, we start to worry about them? Why do we put locks on our doors and chains on our bicycles when we ride them? Because we know it's not a perfect world. And no matter what happens, things go wrong. People are hurt. People we love die. And all of this interferes with our little perfect world. And that's why Paris was so hurtful and so uh, resonated with so many people. It's because we like to think, especially in the east end of Louisville, in the United States of America, that everything's going to be okay and nothing's ever going to bother us. But we know it's not true. It's just not. But we like to think that. And then the real world intervenes. You see, the problem we have is that we think the world revolves around us. And we think what happens is we were born, everything's about us, we're going to have our nice little world, and we never want anything to interfere with it. The truth of the matter, though, is that you're a part of a much bigger story. And your birth and your coming into this world is like chapter 57 of that story. And there's 56 chapters that have taken place before you were even born. And you're a, you're a major character that has come upon this scene, but there's a lot that's happened before you. And so if you try to understand the world just through your life and what's going on, it's never going to make sense to you. And you're always going to ask questions like this. Why are bad things happening to good people? And that's one of the things that have puzzled people forever. Why do these bad things happen to people that seem to be so good? And yet the truth of the matter is that's not the case at all. You are people that have been born into a war zone. And there's been a battle of good and evil that has raged since the very beginning of time, since Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve fell and they passed their sin on to you. And you live in a sin-infected world, but it's not only people that are infected with this sin and do things that are wrong. Nature itself is infected with this sin. Listen to what Romans says, Romans 8, 22 through 25. So you think you want the perfect world and nothing's going to ever interfere. Listen to Romans 8. We know the whole creation groans as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, we too groan inwardly. We wait eagerly for our adoption of sonship, the redemption of our bodies. This is the hope that will save us. Hope that is seen is not hope at all. What hope do you have? We hope for what is yet to come and we wait patiently for it. You see, this isn't your home. This is not Eden. Fallen people in a fallen world. And so when bad things happen, instead of saying why they're happening, you need to understand you're in a war zone and and there's damage that happens in war. And you know it's that way. People get old. People die. People get sick. People get hurt. And no matter how good your world is, it still happens. So if you are investing everything in being happy in this world, you will never be satisfied. Because you will always groan inside and wish for something different. And you know it's true. Why does something like Paris resonate with us? It resonates because we see what happened and we say it's not right. It's not fair. It's not the way it should be. How could somebody do this? It's not the world the way it's supposed to be. When a loved one gets sick and dies, we say it's not right. It's not fair. How come the world's like this? It shouldn't be this way. And do you know why you feel that way? Because it's true. This isn't the world God intended in Eden. This is a sin-infested, fallen world with fallen people. 
And one day God tells us all of those all of those yearnings, all of those those calls for justice and right and fairness, all of those things are one day going to come true. But it's not going to happen in this world. And so when we think it is and we try to be happy in this world only, then we're always going to be disappointed. If we have a more mature picture that this world is never going to be perfect, but God can give me blessings and joys and happiness that comes in the midst of all of the tragedy and pain, then you're going to not only live a more mature life, you're going to live a much more uh, blessed and happy life when you understand the world the way that it is. So two things so far, that, that there is real evil in the world that we have to confront and that this world is never going to be the ultimate. It's never going to give you your ultimate happiness. Third thing is, so what's God do in this situation? Where is God? Uh, how can we see something like Paris and we wonder, where is God? What's he doing? What's he involved with? Well, the first thing I would say, there's two things I would say about what's God doing and where is God at this time. The first thing I would say is, it's okay. God's in charge and he's going to judge evil. God is in charge and he's going to judge evil. First John 3, 8 says, the reason the son of man came was to destroy the works of the devil. So all of the things, all of the hurts, all of the problems in this world, God is in charge. God is going to judge. Over and over again, scriptures tell us, don't be overly alarmed when you see bad people get ahead. Because one day there is going to be a judgment and there's going to stand before God. And that's what we need to understand. God is in charge. And for all of the evil and all of the hurt that's done in this world, there's going to come a day of reckoning. You are not the judge. God is. And one day every person is going to stand before God and answer for what they've done. And so when you look out there and say, why isn't God doing something? Believe me, God knows, God sees, and God is going to judge one day. And nobody's going to get off the hook. The only way off the hook is forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And so we can take comfort in knowing that God sees and that God's going to judge. So that's the first thing about God and what he's doing. The second thing about, I think, God and what he's doing is that God is there to comfort and encourage and help those who are hurting. God knows this isn't a perfect world. He knows that we are hurt by what is going on in it. And God is always there to encourage, to strengthen, and to help us through it. Listen to Romans sixteen twenty. It kind of combines both the things we're talking about. It says, the God of peace will crush Satan under his feet. Did you hear those two things? The God of peace will crush Satan under his feet. So for all of the evil, for all of the hurt, there is a God that is going to bring peace to those who are hurting. Not to those who are committing the crimes, but to those who have been hurt, that God of peace is going to come. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is the closest to those who are brokenhearted. He saves those who have been crushed. So you want to know where God is? He cares. He hurts. He's there to encourage and to lift up those that are hurting. And that's where God is. Right now, he's in charge, he will judge, and he's there to give comfort and encouragement to those who are hurting. So that's God's job. So what's our job in all of this? Well, first we got to realize we're not God. And our first job is to check our own emotions, to check our own emotions. As I read through my Facebook page again last night, the main emotion I got was not grief as I looked through that, but it was the feelings of anger that people had. 
people were really hurt. People were really upset uh, about what was going on and, and people uh, wanting revenge. Now, what we're going to talk about here is interpersonal and not government. And what do I mean by that is this. The government of France, the government of the United States, they have a responsibility to keep you safe and to protect you. And if there are things that happen in this world that challenge our safety, then our governments have the right and the responsibility to do whatever it takes to protect us, even if it means wiping these people off the face of the earth. Okay, that's what our government needs to do to protect us. What we're going to talk now, though, is interpersonally. How do we as Christians handle this? Not how does our government handle it? Because the way a government is going to react to protect us is much different than how we react individually. And the first thing I would say is this. Don't let the evil of other people overcome you. That's exactly what Romans 12.21 says. Romans 12.21 says this. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What's the first thing that happens when we see something like this is that we get so angry, we want to give back to someone what's been done to us. Uh, And so this anger and this hate takes over and the evil that they have now becomes the evil that's infecting us. Do not be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. Listen to Psalm 37 verse 8 and 9, 37 verse 8 and 9. Refrain from anger. Do not let your wrath take control. Do not let it fret you. This only leads to evil. Okay, listen again. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Don't let it fret you. It only leads to evil. And then listen to the next sentence. Those who are evil will be destroyed by the Lord. He is the judge. Take hope in him. Did you hear that? Don't let the evil of them infect you. There is somebody looking down and they're going to judge them. Your job is not to judge. Your job is to not let the evil that has infected them infect you through hate and anger and revenge. Don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. So when hate is sold in this world, we give back love. When there's injustice, we sow justice. When there's evil, we give good. When there's despair, we give hope. And on and on again. When there's anger, we give gentleness. Don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. The second thing that I think that we should do is that we should pray. We should pray for the people of Paris right now. We should pray for a country where they said last night a lot of people were even afraid to go out and get a cup of coffee because they were afraid to sit in a, in a sidewalk cafe on the streets. There's fear. There's hurt. Much like people in our country felt after 9-11. Uh, I talked to people in, our, in, a, in the church after 9-11 who said, I'm afraid to even leave my apartment now or my house because of what's going out there. I don't feel secure anymore. But we've already said this isn't a secure place that we're living in. We're never going to be that way. But pray. Pray for the people of Paris. Pray for our own country and our own safety and what's going on here. Pray for yourself and your emotions. And then there's one that you're not going to like very well. Pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Now, we don't like that one because we don't want our enemies prayed for. We want our enemies judged. But you see, the Bible talks about it kind of in an unusual way. The Bible doesn't see good and bad people. It sees people deeply infected by sin 
and people that have overcome it through the grace of God. None of us are good enough to save ourselves. It's only through what Jesus did. The most evil person in this world is a child of God created in his image that Jesus Christ died for and would love to come to him. And so the Bible says some things like this that's kind of hard to understand. They were nailing nails in Jesus' wrists and feet. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. One of the most interesting verses of all time. If the soldiers nailing nails into Jesus knew this was the son of God. And one day you're going to stand before him in judgment forever with heaven and hell in the balance. Do you think they would have taken those nails and driven them into his hands and feet? They would have probably taken their own lives to protect him. But Jesus said, look, they're infected by sin. They don't understand what's going on. They don't know who I am. Father, forgive them. They don't understand. What a strange thing to say. You know what Jesus pleaded for them? Temporary insanity. They don't really understand what's going on. Their minds and their hearts are infected with this disease called sin. And we need to look at people out there and pray for them. Now, does that mean that that our country doesn't protect itself or that we don't take steps uh, to do what we can to secure our future? No, of course we do those things. Can it mean that we're trying to kill a terrorist and at the same time praying for that terrorist? I think the answer to that is yes. You have to protect yourself and your country, but you're praying for the individual that somehow the hardness of their heart could be relieved. Anybody here read the book, The Hiding Place by Corey Tim Boom? You know, several of you. Corey Tim Boom, uh, you know, was in a, a Nazi prisoner of war camp. She was from Holland. She talked about one day when she was a little girl and the Nazis had first taken over uh, there in Holland that they had come in, they had rounded up uh, several Jewish citizens, they were beating them and throwing them on the train. To take him to the concentration camp. Same camp she'd one day be at herself. And she said she remembered her father. A gentle godly man. Looking at what was happening. And he began to cry. And he said those poor poor people. And she said she agreed with him totally. And then she looked at her father. He wasn't looking at the people being put on the train cars. He was looking at those Nazi soldiers. And she said, Dad, how can you feel that way? These people are evil. They're, 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 they're sending these people to their death. How can you feel that way? And her dad looked at her with tears in his eyes and said, Corey, those poor, poor people, they don't understand what they're doing. So pray even for your enemies. Listen to what Jesus said. You've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Then you'll become the children of your father (coughs) in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. (coughs) Will somebody get me a bottle of water, David? Thank you. If you love those who love you and reward what you get, how are you better than anyone else? If you only greet people you like, what are you doing better than the pagans? Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. How much do I owe you here? Put it on my account. Does that mean you like or agree with someone? No. 
you're praying for their soul. You're praying that somehow they'd see the world the way that it is. Father, they're infected by sin. They're doing things so evil. Father, touch them. So pray even for your enemies. Number three, help the hurting. That's God's plan. That's what he wants. That's what we need to be doing is whatever we can to help those who are hurting in this world. We need to be doing it. And finally, we need to bring in the kingdom of God. Bring in the kingdom of God. This is a dangerous world. It's an evil world. And it's getting worse and worse. And people are afraid. And people don't know what the tomorrow is going to hold. And we're already wondering, can this happen in the United States? Well, sure it can. Uh, can it happen where I go to work or school or to the play? Of course it can. And those things make us uncomfortable. And what happens then is we begin to take a defensive posture. And we try to protect ourselves from an evil world. God never intended for you to do that. He never intended you to protect yourself from an evil world. He intended for you to conquer that evil world. And my friends, there's a big difference. The church of today is hiding inside its walls to protect ourselves from an evil world. When the call of God is to conquer that evil world through the power of God. This is what happened in Matthew chapter 16. Simon Peter told Jesus, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This didn't come through flesh and blood. My father in heaven revealed it to you. I told you, you are Peter upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Did you hear that? The gates of hell will not overcome it. Here's the problem that we have. We're trying to protect ourselves from an evil world when what we were supposed to be doing is bringing that evil world through the knees. Satan has no power over you. The only power Satan has is to lie and to deceive. Don't give Satan more power than he has. He's not your movie Satan out there doing everything that he can and throwing all these big roadblocks. He can lie and deceive and that is his only power. You have the power of God to storm the gates of hell and bring him down. People in the church are hiding in the church when the scriptures tell us when demons hear the name of Jesus, they shudder and tremble. Why are we hiding in the church? There is a world out there hurting and pain and going to hell. There is a world out there afraid and lonely and scared with no hope. A world out there wondering about loved ones who have died. A world wondering about poor and those who are hurting. And the answer lies in this room right now. Why are we not going out with the power of God and changing the world around us? And it begins right where you are at home with you, with your family. What are you doing right now to make a difference in your family? How is your family different and better and higher because you were a member of that family? How are the people in your family encouraged and strengthened because you were there? What are you doing to bring God's kingdom to your family? What are you doing to bring God's kingdom to your school and to your workplace? How are you there helping those who are hurting? Are you someone that's bullying other people and laughing at other people and doing those things? Are you encouraging and helping and really being there for those who are down? What are you doing to make a difference at work and at school? What are you doing to make a difference all around you in the world in which we live? It starts here. Don't worry about what's going on there or what's going on here. Worry about what you're doing in your life. 
It's time we started impacting everyone around us with the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Because there is a world that needs it so desperately. And there's nothing else that can give it to it but the church. There is no other answer and no other solution. And instead of hiding our heads and saying, this isn't the world I want and I'm going to act like it doesn't exist. Or acting like we're powerless when we have all power. We need to be going out and making a difference. Impacting Louisville. Impacting our lives. Impacting this entire world. We can and we should be doing it. The gates of hell cannot stand against us. You know, it's interesting. uh, Jesus sent 72 people out one time and he said, I'm going to send you out into the countryside. Go to all these little towns and villages and just care for people and love them and tell them about God. Those 72 people came back and they told Jesus, man, you wouldn't believe everything that happened. Man, people were being helped. People were being given hope. People were being saved. It was unbelievable what happened. And you know what Jesus said? He looked at those 72 and he said this. I saw Satan fall like lightning from the air because of what you were doing. We act like we're afraid when the power rests in us. When we can make Satan fall like lightning through the love and the grace And the goodness of Jesus Christ. The world desperately needs it. Now is the time. Are we going to answer the call. And be light in darkness. Because I'll tell you a little secret. There's never been any darkness. In this entire world. From creation until now. That has ever. Been able to stand up against light. Anybody here ever been to Mammoth Cave? There's a tour in Mammoth Cave. Maybe, uh, maybe they did this on your tour. They got us like into one of the deepest parts of the cave and they turned off all the lights. And in the middle of Mammoth Cave with all the lights off, they said, put your hand in front of your face. And you put your hand in front of your face and guess what? You could not even see your hand in front of your face. That's how dark it was in Mammoth Cave. You couldn't even see your hand up there. And then the tour guide took one match in that unbelievable darkness and lit one single match and the entire room exploded with light. And you could see everything from one match. And you know why? Because when something is that dark, any light penetrates it unbelievably. But what happens with us is we're just lighting matches when it's like dusk and it doesn't make a lot of difference. But there's a dark world out there. They need to know somebody cares. Somebody loves them. That it's not hopeless. That there is a better way. That they're forgiven. That they have somebody that will give them food and care and shelter. And they look out and they're wanting some kind of hope. And in all of that darkness, you know what Jesus said? You, you are the match. You are the light of of the world and a city set on a hill can never be hidden let's have a prayer father help us to understand that this world needs us so much 
It needs your story of love and grace and forgiveness. Father, help us in our families, in our jobs and school. Father, help us in all of our connections to be that light in the darkness that's around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come to this time of invitation. And my first challenge for you today is to don't feel hopeless and like it's out of control. Because it's not. And maybe for some of you, as you've gone through this weekend, you just need the encouragement of knowing God's in control. He's still in charge. And just right where you're standing, saying, Lord, give me that strength that I need right now just to to get through in some very tough situations in my life and in this world, knowing that God cares and he's there. For some of us, it's having the courage to say, okay, Lord, help me to start living like you're in charge. Help me to start being a light in the world. All I've tried to do is protect myself from darkness. Help me be a light in that darkness. You just make some commitments right now. I'm going to live differently. When I see people hurting, when I see people in need, when I see things that I can do to make a difference, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring some light in this world. You can come and join this church. Say, I want to be a part of what this church is doing in this community, in this world. You come and join this church. And the biggest decision you'd ever make is to walk down this aisle and say, I'm leaving that darkness behind I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. And I'm finding a hope that nothing in this world can ever give me. But this is your time and your opportunity. As we stand together, we sing. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.